Hello, my name's Mark. Hi, I'm Brian, and welcome to the Therapy Chef Podcast. Good, thank you. Very good. Um, I say very good. I yeah, that was kind of a spontaneous optimism. There. Optimism. I don't know why I'm very good, but yeah, I do feel good. Well, we're back in the shed, aren't we? As we always say. Yes. Is it optimism that uh, Liverpool is going to win the league today? <laughs> <laughs> well, this bit, by the time uh, people listen to this podcast, they'll have they'll have the benefit oh, of that. Know, uh, they'll know, of course. Yeah. yeah we still don't. Um, no, I'm just I'm feeling okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, me too. I, mean, I think this time of year as well, it's nice to kind of, you know, the weather tends to change. And uh, that is something I wanted to mention, actually, about something that I think it would be good to, I know we've had a couple of messages on Instagram, and just quickly to mention about, it's come up in sessions uh, with clients, with myself recently, and also a couple of people in like my personal life as well, people who on the aftermath of COVID I think of the pandemic it's, which feels like in some ways it's been it, it went on for a million years mm. and in other ways it feels like it was kind of we whizzed through a pandemic do you know what I mean yeah. um, but I think there is definitely st- this theme at the moment which I suppose we can all experience in our own way of that people seem to be just getting on with things now and I'm struggling and I don't know what to say or it feels like oh right is that it are we meant to just kind of you know yeah. Pick up, our, pick our, ourselves up by the old bootstraps and get on with it. And I think it just, I just wanted to quickly check in on that really because that's not true at all, is it? That tends to be what anxiety can tell us mm-hmm. that everyone's fine, something's yeah. wrong with me, you know, wrong with me in you know, in quotation marks. Um, I don't know if you noticed that at all. Yeah, a little bit because I think a few months ago it was more about sort of people were trying to see what was happening or they were waiting to see mm-hmm. what was next and mm-hmm. there was still lots of information going around and where over the last few weeks or a month or so there seems to be very little talk of COVID and stuff doesn't there so mm-hmm. people now are sort of going oh so is, is that it? Are we just we're meant, we're it? meant to just move forward yeah because um, yeah. the thing with the pandemic as well is it wasn't just a bump in the road was it? It was no, a volcano no, in the middle of the road you know so it, it understandably takes our mind a bit of time I think in our own way as well, in our own individual ways, to 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 move on, shall we say, whatever that means. Well, I think also, you know, for the time that the pandemic was on for, people's lives changed and routines changed quite a lot. Mm. Oh, now it's about getting back. It's unima- unimaginably changed as well. Didn't using it? the term of getting back to normal. For some people, it's about sort of almost relearning to sort of. Um, Go back out, you know, even going back to work. If yeah. You know, if they've been working from home for two years, and then all of a sudden they've got to go back to a really busy office where there's a hundred plus people, mm-hmm. that, that can be quite, um, you know, daunting, overwhelming, yeah, stressful, and anxious, provoking. Definitely, bro. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I guess just as I say, just a brief point. I just wanted to, you know, check in with yourself and for anyone who obviously people are listening. 
if you are experiencing that at all or you know somebody who you feel may be having that those those sorts of kind of thoughts around self-criticism or that kind of false belief that assumption that everyone else just seems to be okay now and i'm struggling you know it's just not the case at all it makes absolute sense for for our mind to be you know to be really what's the word overwhelmed to still be kind of trying to make sense of that ex yeah ginormous experience we've just had with the pandemic mm -hmm. so uh yeah check in with people and and be kind to yourself as always definitely 100 percent on a, on a slightly more, should we say comical, slightly more a lighter note in some ways. I think it's very serious. <laughs> I bet you do, yeah. Do you want to take this? So some people that follow us on, on Instagram may have seen the new addition to the Therapy Shed, which is um, the gnome with no name at the moment. Um, we had lots of responses off Instagram, so thank you very much for that. And hopefully by the end of today's episode, we'll pick a name. And he will become the known with the name shared mascot. Is that right? Sounds good to me, yeah. <laughs> yes, we've had a lot of engagement on social media with it was the, the most engaging thing we've had on social on media. So, yeah, I don't know what that says about us. <laughs> Maybe we should do a podcast on gnomes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd get the uh, Start collecting gnomes. You've gotta get the ratings in, you know, you've gotta get the hits, haven't you? Get the gnomes. Uh, one more thing on our last episode where we we answered some questions and done um the book review. And one yeah. of the books that we mentioned was um, Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before? Yes, Julie, Dr. Julie Smith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I was quite impressed that she replied to one of the comment, one of the posts that we put on. So mm -hmm. I did say in the last episode to try and get it on as a guest. So she did comment on our post and I did reply saying, would you like to come on as a guest? You she did. hasn't replied as of yet, but... I, I, think, she's, I think she's reflected on it, you know. Well, Maybe she followed it's... us. So yeah. maybe she wants to listen to she has. how good some of the guests we have That's on as well. Exactly, yeah. Well, she, I'm we sure she'll be very impressed on. with our guests. Um, so yeah, so I was quite um, quite pleased with that. Yeah, and I mean, in, in all seriousness with that as well, is it just great to, you know, someone like Dr. Judy Smith, who obviously is 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 very well known and her book is rightly so, a, you know, bestseller and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. She's a person and she's yeah. engaging with people yeah. online and mm -hmm. she is really supportive and she shares really kind of user-friendly mental health tools um, and I like the way people like Dr. Judy Smith, they do normalise the idea of talking and interacting with mm -hmm. people and, and accessing support, she's she's human like everybody else, you know. Yeah. yeah. Cool, okay, well you mentioned guests, yeah. we've got another special guest in the therapy shed today. Um, so without further ado, sorry to keep you waiting, but without further ado, um, I would be delighted to introduce from Sean's place, Debbie Rogers. Hi. Okay? Hello, Debbie. How are you? Hi, Debbie. Yeah, fine. Thank you. Thanks for coming along. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Oh no, it's great. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in. How are you getting on today? Yes, really, really well. I'm really excited to find out the ultimate name of the name. <laughs> yeah, well, we will announce. Be the highlights of the show, no doubt. Definitely, I think we will announce that at the uh, the end of the episode, as you say. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned that you're from Sean's place, and of course we're we're going to get into that in the episode today. But just before we do, as with every guest we have in the therapy shed, Debbie, we um, we ask ten questions get to know you a little bit always get some interesting answers to these questions so uh, are you ready to uh, are you ready to run the run the 10 questions race I will try my best let's 
that. Cool. Okay. okay. There's no right or wrong answers. Okay. That's not what you've said before. <laughs> <laughs> you get quite passionate about your answers. But. I do. So. Um, bro. Okay, Debbie. So, question number one. What is your favourite word? Absolutely. I think it's because I say it all the time. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I Absolutely. love that word. Yeah. That's one of my, I, I use that word as well. That's yeah. Yeah. My kind of one of my tenor phrases and I do I'm, I agree I really yeah, like that I think word. you said like 100% before I think it's like an alternative to 100% absolutely yeah, yeah. and it absolutely it's it, it sort of quite it's like it means sort of it, it means what it, that like it's, it's absolutely it's got a punch it, to it, it hasn't yeah. it it's got a conviction yeah. to it yeah. yeah it's almost a full commitment isn't it yeah like I am absolutely going to do that type, type of thing mm. yeah I usually mm. say it when I'm agreeing to someone too if someone says something oh absolutely yeah get that <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Question number two. What is your least favourite word? Can't. <laughs> my uh, kids say it all the time. Mum can't do that. Can't find my shoes. I can't do my homework. I say, like, no, you can. You just need to find a different way to do it. Yeah. So you can do it. So I'm saying you can't. <laughs> I think that's been quite a popular word, hasn't it? That's the least favourite word. Oh, has it? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Question number three. What turns you on? And uh, I think about this one. I think it's when everything's as it should be. You know, when you get that really settled feeling, mm. you know, like my husband's not in work, the kids are at home, we've got a movie on and popcorn, and the house is clean, yeah, it smells yeah. fresh. And yeah. I think when everything's settled and as it should be, that it sort of makes me happy. Yeah. Brilliant, yeah. Mm. I love the way you painted the picture there as well, because I really kind of got a sense of what you were, yeah. what you were getting at. You don't have to think about anything, but it almost give a sense of like, that's it, we just relax now. Yeah, it's like a feeling, isn't yeah. it? Like when everyone's mm -hmm. where they're meant to be at the right time, you're not stressed about anything, you're just completely relaxed with the people that should be in the house mm -hmm. with you. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And yeah, and, and that's, I think that's one of the key words as well, isn't it? It's feeling connected with people, not yeah. just actually having people around you, but that feeling yeah. connected. Amazing. Okay, question number four What turns you off? A messy house. <laughs> I have everybody in the house where they're meant to be doing what they're meant to be doing feeling amazing because my family are all around if the house is a mess I'm like no <laughs> too unsettled <laughs> can't settle here yeah. so um, yeah my husband will confirm that as well <laughs> don't like a messy house messy house yeah <laughs> uh, question number five what sound or noise do you love my kids laughing I've got three kids yeah. and they're amazing they all get on really well so you can often hear them like giggling together over silly stuff and yeah. it's just gorgeous yeah, that's oh. a brilliant that's a brilliant answer yeah. thank you question number six what sound or noise do you hate vomiting like literally the sound of anyone even pretending to be sick i can't can't deal with it it's horrible yes. <laughs> so, yeah yeah and that does get quite a big re response from people don't do like people being sick or even the sound of it can make other people do oh yeah definitely yeah. it comes way. into therapy quite often yeah. that, doesn't it with clients it's, um, like certainly working with emetophobia like a vomit phobia yeah, yeah, yeah. the sound oh the terrible I, I used to want to be a midwife years and years and years ago and then my little boy was sick at home one day like vomiting I was like mm. Tony shut me up you need to come quick and I had to run out the room and he was like you better cancel that course <laughs> be the worst nurse or midwife ever <laughs> Yeah, not a nice sound at all. <laughs> okay, question number seven. What is your favourite swear word? I don't 
I try not to swear a lot, so I, I make my own up usually. <laughs> I okay. say sugar a lot, like when okay. I'm like, oh, sugar, <laughs> and the kids copy me a little bit now, so yeah. I'm, I'm not going to swear on your podcast, it's not professional. Okay, okay. Sugar. Sugar, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a good word for us to express frustration, isn't it? Yeah. It's just it's a lot of swear words. Yeah, definitely. It's a parent swear word. Yeah, it is, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, as well, that the amount of guests we've had on who don't like swearing or who yeah and sort of yeah who, who, yeah, yeah. who just don't or uh, you know it's uh, I'm not saying it doesn't happen you? sit in a car with me you'll have like, <laughs> a few tree swears when I'm driving I'm not a, a great peaceful driver when, when, I don't like people who drive as they should do <laughs> it's like why aren't you going quicker than you traffic yeah. <laughs> oh I think that can re- that resonates with certainly myself and I'm sure a lot of people listening this is yeah, frust- car frustration <laughs> traffic <laughs> Okay, bro. Question number eight. What profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? Uh, a musical theatre star. I think like oh, we've all got musical man. bones, like my kids have all got it, like my son plays the drums, my other son dances, my daughter does cheerleading and I think that was something I always would have loved to have done when I was younger, but I wasn't good enough. <laughs> but my kids are and they all do it, so I'll go and watch that now. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. What you what role would you play? Like what if you could pick one, what would it be? Oh, um, probably something in lame something dead dark and depressing, oh, okay. but like you really get to show off your voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Brilliant. Yeah, what would you like then? Oof. You put me on the spot there. Um, musical theatre. Uh, musical theatre. I don't know. Something in. I'm trying to think of a musical. You're pretending you don't watch any you've definitely got one person do you know what I'm a massive Beatles fan and someone once said to me well Hard Day's Night is a musical and I, well no it's always an al- it's an album but then they kind of wore me down and convinced me that it was a musical so I guess like a a theatrical orchestrated Beatles number okay I'll go for that well have you got one in mind is that why you asked me Wicked. oh 100 yeah amazing <laughs> all day <laughs> have you seen the Beatles I knew there was a yeah. reason why oh yeah or maybe uh, fan, I don't know go on <laughs> see Debbie <laughs> this is why he asked he, he I love your honesty though we hijacked stacked. on podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay question number nine what profession would you definitely not like to attempt oh I didn't even have to think about this one like an accountant I don't know how people enjoy that role. Like respect to them because we do need our accountants. They are game changers and lifesavers in our profession. But I don't know why you would choose that profession <laughs> personally. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Not yeah, using yeah, accountants, yeah. are you? By the way. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I know where to start. I'm still off that off. No, no. Okay. And finally, Debbie, question number ten. If heaven exists, what would you like God to say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, I knew I'd get emotional saying this one, but probably something like, Sean's just over there. He's got the kettle on uh, for you. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cute. Yeah. Thanks oh, for thank you for that. Then. No, thank you. Good questions. Yeah, some, di- some different answers there, because some of the, like, like the, the swear word, the sugar one, is one that obviously we've, ne- we've had a few people say they don't like swearing but then they'll come, they'll come up with the words mm. that that was quite good and um yeah yeah but and I, I hear what you mean yeah i because i thought that when you said sugar it's like that is i mean i said it was a very parent swear word and i think it is it's a very like i don't really swear but obviously we all get frustrated from time to time we want we have that build up of anger or emotion in some way and swearing can be a way of expressing that yeah. but i think as a parent 
it can be like I don't swear anyway and particularly I've got children yeah. so I certainly yeah. don't swear sugar is a great example of a parent it's probably because like in life like I've got three children I've always worked in schools and now I'm a professional as like you know building a sort of like support group yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like you can't really swear a lot of the time anyway you do have to be phone from it yeah, so. yeah definitely <laughs> okay so you mentioned um about Sean and obviously as I said at the beginning of the episode you're the what can I ask what is your title of Sean's Place? I'm founder. You're the founder. You're the founder of Sean's Place. Um and I can't wait to kind of ask you and kind of yeah get stuck into what Sean's Place is and what it what it offers and obviously how people can access it and so on. But first of all can I just ask Debbie what is your kind of what motivated you to found founder Sean's Place? So Sean was my brother. Um, he was only like 14 months between us, so we were very, very close growing up. And he always struggled with his mental health from like his early 20s. And he got really unwell towards his mid-30s and sadly he took his own life in 2019. And I always believed that there was a huge gap in his support. He had lots of therapy, had lots of medication, but there was a big gap where we really hoped that he'd meet other people who were going through the same. So we felt, you know, it used to feel a bit weird, like he was the only person experiencing this and we never knew anyone else who was struggling or we didn't know that they were struggling to sort of like linking up link them up with and despite looking there was just nothing around for men there was loads of places i could have gone if i needed support but nothing for my brother and when he died i spoke to a lot of other families and a lot of other sort of um people that i knew who loved ones were also struggling or sadly they'd also lost loved ones in the same way and i just thought you know there's nothing around and if I don't set it up or give it a go, who will? Mm. You know, it's always going to be this way. So mm. I had a lot of fire in my belly. I was very angry with services. I was very, I was grieving heavily. I was the closest person to him. And I sort of just used that to channel it into giving Sean's place a go. Mm. Um, happened very quickly. Sean died in July 2019. And in the September, I'd made an appointment to look into how to set up something like this because I had no idea previously. And thank God I did. We didn't know if it'd be a success. I thought it might be like a Saturday afternoon thing around my kids and my school job where people might just come and have a brew and connect with each other. But now, fast forward to 2022, we're open seven days a week, five evenings a week. We support over 150 men a week now. It's really, really blown up, which just evidences that Sean was never on his own. There will have been hundreds and hundreds of men feel exactly mm. like mm. he did. And had this had existed a couple of years ago, I might not be sassy now. Sean mm. might still be alive. Um, he's not, but thankfully we are helping other people to get access to the support that they need when they need it. Yeah, and it's it's uh, you know thanks thanks for sharing that. But I think you know, two thousand nineteen. It wasn't that long ago, and you you know I think when we were discussing about Sean's place, at me and Mark both thought it had been around for a, a lot longer because I think there's a although, although I don't know we spoke about it before we started recording that there is more support out there for men um, now but 2019 wasn't that long ago really was it when, when you think about it and the lack of support that was around um, again you've got like GPs, NHS, counselling, uh, medication but that ongoing continuous long term support for, for men in particular just wasn't there. 
it wasn't you're right and now you've got amazing organizations you know you can reel them off you've got Andy's man club james's place open door charity there's so many amazing organizations that exist now but they have only really been around the last couple of years um and a lot of them have been created sadly because they've lost yeah. someone in their life to suicide so it almost takes for somebody to experience that pain and lose somebody to motivate them to do something like this yeah. which which shouldn't be the case you know no. that, that we, we should be able to save our loved ones before this happens but thank mm. god they do exist and there's so many places now you can time post people to if someone comes to sean's place and sean's place isn't the right place to them i've now got a whole heap of amazing organizations i can time post and for support yeah, I, I mean that's amazing isn't it as well and um, you know, we were talking just before we started recording the podcast about the different services out there now and the kind of the networking amongst the different services right across the region is just crucial, isn't it? To be able to signpost and to be aware of what's out there. Part of the reason, if we're honest, right, part of the reason we started this podcast yeah. was to, to both for ourselves to learn and we are really learning about what's out there and meeting great people like yourself, Debbie, but also hopefully to just give a little bit of a um, connectivity, a little bit of a spotlight for people and obviously services to just become more aware of, of each other and obviously what's out there as well because yeah. that awareness is crucial isn't it it really is oh, I think it, it, it's that if you don't know you don't know so if people don't know the services out there like Sean's place and a couple of the others that you've just mentioned then they don't know they can access them so then therefore they will feel alone or they're the only well, person going through that definitely yeah and that, that's, that's where I, was, I think I was going with that is when you are feeling really vulnerable, which we can all be susceptible to feeling v really vulnerable or, or low or whatever's going on for our mental health, if you're not aware of other people who maybe have, have had or are having similar experiences, or you're not aware of support that's available, as we know, the anxious brain, unfortunately, it can often just create these real false narratives inside your mind of like, there's no one else who'll understand or there's no one else to you know who can really support you, who can meaningfully effectively support you there's nowhere to go etc etc and unfortunately that you know that then just amplifies the problem for for, for the person doesn't it so the more aware we are yeah just what you're saying debbie i think it's just amazing it's honestly it's like you know we'll, we'll get into it now but just getting to know you already it's just unbelievable what you've done Thank it's you. such a short period of time as well yeah you? I think it, it just took a lot of strength like at, at the time wh wh whenever you lose someone in your life you do have a, a lot of passion and yeah. questions and everything else I think if I was to try and do it now I don't know if I'd have the same level of energy yeah. as I had two years ago and it was a lot of work at the time you know it was round the clock 24 hours a day I was on my laptop at meetings connecting with different organisations mm -hmm. And because of that, we were able to lay the foundations really solidly for yeah. what we were about to do. So now it's probably a little bit easier to do the work that we do because the, the hard work was done in the mm -hmm. beginning. But it was through reaching out to different organisations. Like we, I've got some fabulous mentors who run other organisations mm -hmm. who've been doing it a lot longer than I have. And they sort of, I've learned all the mistakes and done things the hard way. So they give me that advice and guidance so that it makes life easier for us so we don't make the same mistakes. But I know you've had Rasser on the show, yeah. and you know they've been amazing with us. They've just um given us one of their programs, their Rats program, which is right. a hypnotherapy, um group, 
um, intervention and we're about to start running that insurance place now thanks to their support and stuff and it's that sort of connectivity that is so so important we have to be sharing each other's work and you know seeing how we can connect and link up with each other because ultimately it's going to benefit the people who are coming through the door yeah. if we're not connecting up and we're not sharing services and signposting mm. it's not us that lose out it's the person who's trying to find support absolutely and you meant absolutely i told you i said that word <laughs> absolutely and um but you what you mentioned about um sean and if it was i think you said uh, at the beginning of the episode that if it was yourself who was looking to access support like more community-based support um that have been a number of places that you 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 could have gone to and you could have tried to engage with whereas with with sean unfortunately that wasn't obviously wasn't the case being you know being a man um and that just comes to me my mind then when you were saying about the importance of connecting because obviously different services you know support people in different ways and support different demographics of people as well so it's important for them to you know for community-based services there's ways we can link up like we, we just started working with the community pharmacists to help support people with medication medication concerns we're working with the pain management clinic at the moment because we know that a lot of the gentlemen who come through the door are struggling with the mental health because they're living with chronic pain mm. so obviously there's, there's a real natural connection like why are we working separately let's bring it together and do mm, something together we're working with drug and alcohol um, support services as well because we see a lot of people come through the door who are struggling with addiction that goes in hand in hand there's so much that connects us all that we should be having those conversations together and I think Mercy Care have been amazing um, in terms of wanting to know what's happening on the ground floor of Sean's place and then looking at their processes to say okay is this working is there anything we could be doing more to support the likes of Sean's place so that's been quite good because I know when Sean was poorly his nurse knew of nowhere yeah. that he could get support. There was places, few and far between, but days isn't now. And I think now you've got the likes of Hubber Hope, you've got the likes of your podcast, all of these sorts of networks that are saying, look, we'll do the hard work for you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll tell you what's available. You've just got to, you know, download the app onto your phone or mm. listen to our mm. podcast and hear about the services. And the more we can make people aware of what's out there, the easier it'll be for everybody then, the more lives we're going to be able to save. And the thing with... with, with people accessing therapy you know what no matter what type of therapy it is you know as a therapist in the back of my mind it's always about you know therapy in, in general i know it can change but in general it's sort of a set amount of sessions it could be eight sessions mm-hmm. 10 12 sessions whatever but at the end of them sessions that long-term ongoing support in the back of my mind is always where can i signpost this person to or what yeah. sort of ideas can i give this person um to look at and go and access that long-term support because and again it's something I say to some of my clients of you know I may only see them for one hour once a week the rest of the time they can then go back to sort of almost the reality or you know feeling quite lonely or by themselves yeah, yeah. you've got no one to talk to where you've got somewhere like Sean's place where they could um, access every day if they need to is that right could someone coming every day if that's what, what yeah that's exactly what, we, what we've what we achieved this year at Sean's Place so now we offer counselling and CBT therapy and all the one-to-one support that we're available to offer but I, I agree with you wholeheartedly because I remember when my brother was going through therapy it's like trauma therapy he was going through at one point he'd just go home then with these really like awful memories resurfacing as a result of the therapy to live it on his own he wouldn't tell us that he'd be into therapy because he didn't want to burden us so he'd have all this stuff ruminating around his head for the rest of the day unbeknown to us so my thing was with Sean's place if we're going to be offering somebody therapy we need to be offering 
something else as well mm. if they need it some people don't mm. but some people definitely do and that's why we do the things like the drop-ins where they can just come and have a cup of tea chat with others have a game of pool we offer a whole host of sessions mm. they can come as little or as much as they need to it just depends on their individual needs really but we're always the same even though we've got children's place we're always looking at the next step for them as well is it going into back into employment is it you know some sort of voluntary work is it maybe trying a different service and getting new experiences because we don't want to become their world yeah if that mm-hmm. makes sense totally. because we want to be a part of experience mm-hmm. but for the time that they need us yeah. if no one if they're not experiencing anything else the life's never going to move forward mm-hmm. and some people are more than capable of having beautiful lives and it's our job to give them the tools to be able to do that yeah. really so is it almost from when the very first a person comes through the door the very first time that it's almost I suppose a bit like therapy where um you know from the very first session you sort of almost plan towards the end of the session where you know they come in at a certain point of how they're feeling and then through the work that you do sort of build them up get them to a place of where they're feeling better than when they first came to then leave you know feeling actually yeah i can empowered I can't yeah feeling empowered that's the ideal situation we get some people who come to us and they might have a course of therapy and we won't see them again because Mm -hmm. they've got what they need we get people who might do a six-week program with us meet some new friends you know the relationships better at home the way that they're connecting with the kids is better the job's going better sometimes it's situational it might be that you know they're really struggling with work they resolve the issue at work with our support as well and then they won't need us again yeah. so things like that is great because you know they've got what they needed and they're on the way yeah. with others it, it, there's no time frame on it we've mm-hmm. got gentlemen who come in in their 80s and you know the, the, they've got a lot of mental health concerns mm-hmm. that's not going to go away for them so our job is just to make their lives a little bit happier yeah. give them a few opportunities a few experiences like we had one of our 80 year olds who was flame throwing last weekend <laughs> in the centre we had like fire dancers come in he was dancing with flames and stuff and you know that was an amazing experience for him it was just about making his life a little bit happier yeah. for that, you know for whatever time he's left on this planet which hopefully is a lot longer than um, the yeah, easy three but it, it, I don't think it, it matters how long they're with us for mm-hmm. some of our younger ones we're a bit stricter with um, we've got a couple of them where you'd always become like the mum kind of yeah. thing that the mother figure in the life and we don't want them still with us when they're 65 we want them to go and live their yeah, lives and it's beautiful when like this some of them now are applying for university and they've been accepted university yeah. places in september and they won't need our support as much then it'll be a different level of support it might be that we give them a space where they can come and do their assignments and you know they can just check in by coming to a drop-in once a month or something you know what whatever their needs are at the time to eventually there'll be a point where they might not need us or they might come back and be a mentor with us yeah. and yeah. the journey will be a little bit different i suppose the biggest part with all of that is it's it's just i think one once a person access support and they see the benefits of it then after that they, they always know that they can access support it stops becoming a bit of a, a yeah. statement or a bit of a you know the unknown no matter you know so even if someone goes to like say Sean's place and they get the benefits of that and then they go off to university and even in another city they're going to be more likely to access support in that city yeah. because they know they've had a positive experience from the likes of Sean's place yeah and the door's always open we've had lads who have come they've got themselves to a place where they didn't need us anymore and they've always like spread the wings and flew the nest yeah. um, and then six months later they might take because it is a roller coaster mm-hmm. it's not like they're going to be fine for the rest of, of their lives sometimes life isn't like them and things happen 
and they've come back to us six months, twelve months later, and said, "Deb, you know, I'm not doing too good at the minute. Do any support available?" And we'll get them more support. And I, I really, really like that because it shows that we got it right the first time for them to have that faith in us to come back, yeah, and definitely. you know, they feel comfortable coming back because yeah. it it's not a you know a quick fix. Mm-hmm. And it normalises, you know, accessing support, doesn't it? It normalises not feeling okay, and f- yeah. if you're feeling vulnerable that's okay that's a human thing that's not something that you know you need to keep to yourself or you need to be necessarily um fearful of you know what i mean you can access the support it's almost that hashtag isn't it It, it's okay to not be okay type of thing i think if you're around people that are feeling similar or have you know maybe a few weeks months ago they were feeling like that but through accessing support and going to shore's place you know they feel more empowered or they're now feeling in a place where they're feeling okay i think that can massively help other people so to see that and think oh maybe that's where i can get to then yeah all of our mentors are shown space of all that their own mixed experience as well some of them have been with us since day one when this was just an idea others have joined us more recently mm. and they've all struggled themselves so when they're given advice or support or the listening ear it's coming from a place where I get it you know I've been yeah. there myself I'm not just reading this in the textbook mm-hmm. I actually do understand how you're feeling mm-hmm. which has been amazing for us like that that's played a massive part in how we've grown really and then some of the guys who have come through for support probably don't need us as much as it is in the beginning but aren't quite ready to leave fully um they've progressed to be part of the team as well and they've wear the Sean's PC shirt they help us out when we run sessions and it's almost like a buddy system whereas if someone comes through the door they can say oh go and sit next to whoever the name yeah. is I'm trying not to say people's names <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can go and sit next to this person like he's one of our um, members coaches and he'll tell you about the service and because they know how it feels to walk through the door themselves for the first time they know what it's like being the new person in the room mm. they're best place to be able to look after them yeah. for the afternoon rather than sitting next to me who'll just yes. talk their ear off like this <laughs> it's, it sounds very much like people are very much held when they first first come in and that sort of yeah given that almost safe if it feels quite a very safe place to be and again just having somebody there that can you know just be there chatting to them and understanding how they may be feeling yeah walking through that door for that first time yeah and every time someone comes through it's a new experience for us we've had guys who have come through and who literally just broke down in tears mm. it took them so much so much time to get through the door that it almost like releases itself yeah. in like people sobbing mm-hmm. and then once you have a chat with them and tell them that they're okay and you know you're, you're going to be there to look after them it's like a big weight to be lifted off the shoulders yeah. we've had others who have told us that it took them three laps around the block and round the roundabout before they come in the building yeah. like one of the guys who's now one of our mentors said the first time i come here i drove around all three times because mm-hmm. i wasn't going to come in and thank god he did because he Definitely. really needed us at the time yeah. so it would we don't underestimate at all how hard it is to get through that door mm-hmm. so i mean we've kind of you've shared i think a few uh, a few um reasons why already but if i can if we can just have a chat for a minute about why people access supports what obviously because listening to your talk there debbie you've got such experience now of working with all different mm-hmm. uh, people you know different reasons why people have come through the door different age ranges and so on and people's different kind of journey shall we say through yeah. uh, access and support and obviously engaging with sean's place but what would you say are some of the some of the main reasons or some of the reasons that stick out to you when you think of why why the men come into sean's place it, it literally can be so varied like 
our youngest member is 18, our oldest is 83. It's not a one-size-fits-all, and that's why we probably provide so many services to try and accommodate people's needs. Um, we've got people who are top of their organisation, CEO of the companies, wife, kids, money in the bank, you know, amazing car, everything that you would think would make somebody happy. Yeah. And then then men still come to us because they, they're having dark thoughts or they're not okay. And, they don't know why. They can't explain why they're feeling the way they are. I think that's... Sorry, just quickly on that, because I think that's such an important point to, for us to kind of highlight, isn't it? Brian, you and I have... Brian and I have spoken about this a little bit on the podcast on previous episodes, but that comes up so often in therapy sessions, doesn't it? It's, I can't understand why if you mentioned, like, dark thoughts, they're, like, intrusive thoughts, mm-hmm. or I'm crying all the time. Like, that's a common... And I must say... In my experience, it is usually men who would say that I'm when I'm driving home from work or when I'm when I'm alone. Basically, I'll just start crying and I can't understand why. Which is which tends to make someone feel even more overwhelmed, even more scared. Really, I suppose if I can't point to something that's happened in my life and say that's the reason why, and it's so important, isn't it, to 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 just I guess just to recognise that. Sometimes it isn't one reason. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not one. Re- In fact, I would say it's often not one specific thing as to why we feel, you know, we can struggle with our mental health. It's a number of. It can be a number of factors, and it isn't as easy as just saying, you know, that thing happened, which is why I'm feeling sad at the moment. Yeah. It's and trying to normalise that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So that totally. It's it's that almost. It's that it's that bucket analogy, isn't it? Around, you know, you have an empty bucket, and as yeah, things yeah. happen things get put into the bucket so you know even for example I don't know commuting to work in the morning can be stressful if you're late and the traffic's busy and you know so that goes into your bucket and then you're in work and you've got deadlines or you've got to hit targets and you know you're not quite getting them or you just you just got a pile of work so that goes into your stress bucket and then you commute home is the same you're trying to get home because you want to get home to mm-hmm. see your family and that adds to the stress and when you get home you know just the stress of having a family mm-hmm. and, and before you know it that, that stress bucket gets really full yeah. but all those things individually on their own don't probably don't seem that much of a big deal but when they're all put into that bucket and you haven't got that outlet once that bucket overfill over spills that's when that's the analogy of then our emotions just sort of overspilling I, I sometimes i think i've spoken on the podcast before about it's almost like that bottle of coke analogy where if you shake a bottle of coke enough even without taking the lid off, it'll just explode. Or if you shake that bottle of coke and you just take the lid off, it'll all come sort of Definitely, out. Yeah. Our emotions are a little bit like that, where if they just get shook and shook and shook and shook, eventually they'll just all, it'll just explode. Where the idea of like therapy or access and support, like Sean's place, where you can go in and you can just open that lid a little bit, let a little bit out, put the lid back on, and I get a bit like a bottle of coke, where if you shook it, but then you open the lid closed, or open the closed, or open the closed, eventually all that pressure is released but just in very small parts yeah, absolutely yeah yeah and obviously as we know analogies can always be helpful can't they with understand that yeah but i completely agree and i think as well if you're feeling um well you i think you've mentioned this um to me already debbie as well if one of the reasons is, is men say they feel lonely yeah that, that's been a really common reason and we're always delighted when We've received a referral form and the guy will say on this referral form I'm feeling lonely because that's, that's not easy for, for a man to no, say no. but it is very very common and you probably don't realise it's common because 
you're not going to tell people around you that you're feeling lonely because sometimes you can have all the friends in the world you can have a really close family and still feel mm. lonely mm. it might be that you don't have anybody in your life you don't have a close family and that can really impact your mental health it can knock your self-esteem your confidence you know, if you're lonely you're not really having much fun in your life with mm. many experiences and i think that's a big reason why we wanted to create children's place because my brother fell into that bracket he didn't really have any friends when he was growing up he wasn't on social media his phone was like a really old like remember he used to play snake on your phone the, yeah oh, it didn't even snake. have like the internet on it or mm. anything he was very inaccessible as a person yeah. but when um John died, his friend from school seen in the echo what had happened and he said, I wish I'd known because I was feeling the same. Mm. I would have got in touch with him and I could have helped him and he's now one of our mentors at Sean's place, yeah. which is lovely. Amazing. But had he had been around as Sean as I had oh. some friends in his life, yeah. he would have had people he could go find and or just have a laugh with and, you know, just have some experiences yeah. with. So that was exactly what we set Sean's place up for to reduce that isolation that people are experiencing and give them new experiences new friendships mm. new connections with different people and things to talk about sometimes you can feel lonely if you don't have anything to talk to your partner about at home if your day's been exactly the same as every other day before it you've not really got anything positive to say whereas if you're come to sean's place and you've had a really good game of pool or you've had a really interesting conversation with someone about a similar topic that you've got in common with it's a new conversation you can have with those around you definitely I couldn't agree more I think sometimes with like talking about loneliness I think if somebody you know for example doesn't have people around them and they are completely by themselves and they feel lonely they they can sort of understand why they feel lonely where I think when someone's feeling lonely and as you said they've got people around them like family and friends but they still feel lonely they can then start to feel guilty about that because it's like I shouldn't be feeling lonely because I've got all these people around me yeah you're denying your emotional self aren't you it's like it's it's not okay for me to feel this way I think a common thing that we hear as well is that even when people have got friends they can't talk to the friends about how they're feeling especially as a bloke like you will know better than I will but we hear so often where someone's trying to tell the mates how they feel and the mates like get your coat back come on let's go down the pub I'll get you the bevy and then they'll go to the pub, they'll have the pint, they'll have a great night filled with laughter and fun, but that person still hasn't been able to confide yeah, in them because yeah. it just wasn't the time or the place. Yeah. And I think that's why we need more places for men Definitely. because there the is a time and a place for it, which is probably more places like Sean's place than in the pub. Mm-hmm. Well, on one of our previous episodes, we had um, a guest on Andy who um, ran Andy's man club in, in the yeah. Liverpool, and he was saying sort of his, his story was he played semi-professional or professional football um, and he said you know I'd be sitting in a dressing room with 20-30 you know 20-30 lads men but the thought of talking to them saying I'm having a bad day today or I'm struggling today or I'm feeling like this it just it wouldn't even enter my mind but going to Andy's man club where it's exactly the same as in 20-30 men all sitting around but being able to talk about I'm having a bad day today or I'm feeling like this and, and the difference between the two, uh, obviously there's uh, quite a few differences, but the main difference is Andy's Man Club and, and same as probably Sean's places, it's a safe place. Yeah. They can feel safe and heard and you know hopefully not judged and that they can say something and no one's going to laugh at them or no one's going to say, oh, you know, just sort yourself out type mm-hmm. of thing. And I think that they're the big differences, aren't they? You yeah. go to the pub. I know that can be quite helpful to socialise, yeah. but actually then talking about things that are maybe really bothering you or troubling you if it doesn't feel safe to do that you're not going to do yeah. it it's that sign of nod as well isn't it because like we were saying before about having a feeling sometimes somebody won't 
they'll come to Sean's place and they might not talk about how they've been feeling if they're not if they don't really want to talk that night but it's knowing that everyone else who's in that building on that night is going through something as yeah. well or they wouldn't be there yeah you know they, people don't come to Sean's place because they're having the time with their lives and that you know everything's going great mm-hmm. for them they come because they're going through something even if it's not the same one it's not even similar they're all going through their own journey so just to know that that's what's going on in the room sometimes is enough yeah definitely and I think as well just another thing I'd probably add to that Brian is we we have our kind of um I suppose almost like social etiquette we have like our implicit behaviours, assumed behaviours with people that we know in our personal life. So if someone says that they're struggling, we can all, um, and you know, I'm no different to anybody else, we can fall into the habit, shall we say, of, like as you say, Debbie, of the ha- the the, uh, the rescuer mm-hmm. mentality of like, oh, get your coat and we'll go out for, even like go out for a walk or get with men, it's like go out and watch the footy or go, go to the pub and have a drink. And Unfortunately, it doesn't all. It doesn't tend to be as constructive as something like Sean's place around these man club, as you say, because our our autopilots kicking. Yeah. We tend to fall into similar conversational styles because we know each other. We're friends or family members. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I think so often what people get from the likes of Sean's place, those types of of support groups, shall we say, or obviously therapy as well, is. This is your space with somebody who you don't know in your personal life, so to speak, and hopefully there's a better chance of, of feeling actively listened to, feeling that your emotional self is actually being you use the you use the um, analogy earlier, Brian, of like opening the bottle of the bottle of um, fizz, you know, the bottle of coke. It's like you can open that in your own time, and no one's going to try and say, "Oh yeah, I'll do that for you," or "This is what you can do," or leave that bottle of coke let's go and do something else you'll be fine it's like no you you need to open that bottle of coke i think that's why like the training so important like the the zero suicide alliance have free 20 minute training that anyone can access because i was exactly the same when my brother was alive i didn't know what to say to him i didn't have a clue like he he did he was open and he told me a couple of times that he was feeling suicidal we're being sponsored by (laughs) mr wiki today I knew that I probably wasn't saying the right thing, but I didn't know what to say. I'd never had any training, and I was probably the person to try and fix him. I, I was the, oh, how can I help? You know, what do we need to do? What do we say? Whereas Sean probably just wanted me to listen. And I know that now, through, you know, running Sean's space and having that experience and the training that I've had, but back then I didn't have a clue. And, and why would you have? But, you know, exactly. it's completely normal, isn't it? Where, you know, if you've got somebody that you love and family member or a close friend, if, if you see them struggling you want to you want to fix it you want to help you want to you want to make it better yeah. um, and, and that's 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 normal isn't it that's it's why it, it is so hard for family and friends because they want to help but they don't always know the right thing to say and you know we do hear that a lot from the lads we did a, a session one night and we got them to write down things people have said to them and things people things they wish they would have said instead and it was so interesting yeah. to read but obviously trying to communicate that you don't want to upset those who are just trying to help as well so it can be really challenging but we do run a family support network at John's place for that reason because I remember just thinking where can I go to get help I need to know how I can help my brother Mm -hmm. and at Zero Suicide Alliance wasn't around then either thankfully it is now Um, but I didn't have any sort of training or awareness 
so now we run a family support network so we can support families and how to have those conversations mm-hmm. at home yeah. a little bit more constructively or even just how to listen mm-hmm. how, how to just sit there and just listen and that's enough sometimes because mm-hmm. some people think they can't do that they need to fix them yeah that's i mean that is invaluable that's amazing we will obviously we'll share all the details of sean's place um on the the podcast when we, when it goes out um but that sounds like an invaluable resource that you've got there supporting families as well because as you say the instinct i guess for most family members is is the rescuer you want to do something want to fix it in some way and um and often you know you could do with some support yourself you know as the family member of if 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 one of your relatives is really really struggling and having suicidal ideation and so on it could be helpful for you to get some support just to like for some people mm. it's a full time job when they're looking after the loved ones if you've got somebody mm. who's who's got you know multiple mental health concerns that they're going through and you know and you're that only person that lives with that person mm. it can be a really heavy weight to bear mm. and you just want them to be okay yeah. it might be that they're not the same person they were a couple of years ago and you know that can be a sense of grieving sometimes if, yeah. if your loved one is that unwell that it's not who you married mm. but you, you love them dearly and you want them to be okay it, it can be it can be really harmful that you know sometimes your partner or your loved one or even your children can all be affected by that and the mental health and that's why it's so important to look after the carers and you know the, the partners and the children as well to make sure that the whole network is feel supported because ultimately if we're doing all this work with the gentleman in short space we want the home life to be equally as supportive mm-hmm. yeah. so it benefits both the, the you know the person that's going to short space and the families as well yeah, definitely amazing yeah and it's just again it takes sometimes when somebody's caring for somebody you, you know with a mental health problem or a physical health problem they never have that switch off you know if you're a care a professional care you're paid you might go in for 12 hours and then you have 12 hours off so you're having that break where if you live in, in that situation it's 24 hours a day and you've had no training you, you don't have any time and it's someone you. you're personally in, intertwined with you know it's a relative exactly so the and there's nothing that zaps or or energy levels quicker than being emotionally drained you know there's no switch off I, I, you know i keep taking it back to sean because ultimately that's why sean's place yeah. exists and my phone is never ever on silent when i go to bed i wake up even now several times with the night panic on my phone's gone on silent because mm. i was always waiting for that call yeah. and i always knew it would come but i didn't know when and yeah. I, I used to feel sick thinking sean tries to phone me my phone's on silent and it's a 24 hours day like trying to care for somebody yeah. and as i say that still impacts me now even now when i go to bed i don't put my phone on silent and mm. i didn't live with sean i see him every day but for somebody who is living with someone sometimes you can be frightened to go to sleep you can yeah. be frightened to go to the shop because you, you've got that sinking feeling that what if today's the day yeah. And it's an awful, awful feeling to have, and then people desperately need their support mm. as well. Definitely. Something that I did want to just ask about, or um, just touch on as well, Debbie, is you mentioned about, I think it was before we started recording, you mentioned about um, uh, men who, who take their own lives, and there was a, a stat that I thought, or a fact that I thought was really important to share around the kind of stereotype, I guess, of what people, people may people may perceive as someone who's experiencing suicidal thoughts or of course someone who takes their own life the stereotype may be I guess someone who's really a loner or you know doesn't have many people in their life who's really disconnected maybe poor unemployed or any or any or all of those types of things shall we say but actually there's something you and I guess just just to say that is as we've said on podcast episodes previously Brian haven't we 
mental health doesn't uh, you know it doesn't discriminate no. it affects everybody mental health all of us regardless of you know wealth age whatever whatever it may be but there's something you said about um men who, who uh, take their own lives what was that yeah that so where we're based in Sefton um we obviously we're in a deprived area shall we say but the figures show and they had done for the last two and a half years since I've been running Sean's place have the highest number of men who sadly do take the highest number of people sorry who take their own lives are men as we know you know that statistic is three out of four suicides are sadly men but also men who are in employment and I think that evidences what we do with Sean's place like we open five evenings a week to make sure that support is accessible so I am now like obviously when I go to these meetings and sit on boards and stuff saying why your service is still nine to five if the statistics are still showing two and a half years later that it's still men who are in employment who are taking their own lives why support nine to five yeah. because you know my husband for example runs a construction company where men are self-employed so if someone needs to go to an hour a week counselling you know at 12 o'clock on a Monday afternoon that's you know, by the time they travel there and everything else, mm. that's two mm. hours where they're not going to get paid just mm. for going to access support. Or they might have to have a conversation with an employer. They might not have a supportive employer who will let them go to these therapy appointments. So they're, they're denied the support. They're not able to access it. So by opening up an evening, we're really reaching out to those people who are most at risk, according to the statistics. And I think that's the beauty about Sean's Place. We see people from all different walks of lives. We see people who are, you know, top of the game in the company and then like loads and loads of money everything that you could possibly want who would walk through our door for the same reasons as somebody would who you know lives on their own that sadly they're not able to work or they're out of work and they, they don't have many people around them mm. and it, it doesn't matter who that person is when mm. you're in trance place you wouldn't know who you were sat next to you wouldn't know what somebody's employment status was or what the relationship status was it doesn't matter because the conversations happen organically and the fact that you're both in the same position because you both come to Sean's place for support is yeah. all that's needed sometimes and, and the, 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 the only difference is again like you said which is massively important around being able to offer a service outside of the nine to five and even before you were saying you know on a Sunday evening you, you, you have groups running which again is for a lot of people if they are working they're working shifts mm. it might only be a weekend that they can attend and, and things yeah. like that and again certainly a lot of NHS services that I'm aware of only operate Monday to Friday mm. nine till five We've well, always, oh, sorry, I was just going to say just quickly on that I mean we hear this all the time we prioritise your mental health but as you're saying there Debbie if services aren't able to facilitate someone prioritising their mental health if some if somebody feels that they need to choose between earning, earning their pennies to pay the bills and to support them you know, support themselves and their family and so on, or access one hour of therapy. That's not actually providing a situation, uh, you know, providing a um, an environment, shall we say, a social environment yeah. where you that's a that's a choice for many people. So what you're describing there with Sean's place sounds brilliant. It really does. Because I think as well, also you, you said about you know someone who's maybe self-employed or in work, they might have to you know commute to where they go and have that hour of therapy, commute back. But actually, if they're spending an hour in therapy talking about things that are quite um, you know, emotionally provoking, and um, to then have to go back to work states after it for some people is too much. Yeah, it is. And I remember I, I only access a few counseling sessions when my brother died, and I couldn't function for the rest of the day. Like, I was emotionally drained by the end of it. I had a migraine because it was 
really emotional talking about you know what has happened mm-hmm. and then I had to get my kids from school and I thought I can't continue to do this I no. can't go to work can't pick my kids up from school I, I'm wiped out yeah. from it so we know how hard it is for people to be able to do that and you're right the likelihood is of them returning to work in the afternoon it's it's really really unlikely yeah. if they're feeling that way but we've always opened on a Sunday evening since day one of us opening children's place because a lot of people do get the Monday blues if work is a contributory factor to how you're feeling the thought of having to go back into that job on a Monday and face the same issues or work with the same colleagues that you're not necessarily getting along mm-hmm. with can be really really stressful so we run a program on a Sunday now our mental health program it's a group one and it's all about you know taking control and accountability and you know putting things into action and what small positive steps can we make to make our week better and um, last week they set like the, a few goals they all like had, a, had their own individual goals for themselves that they wanted to achieve that week and then t- Sunday today yeah, yeah. <laughs> tonight <laughs> so, <laughs> tonight when they come back we'll discuss how they got on with that some of them won't have had the opportunity to do anything with it and that's fine we can talk about the obstacles that were there for them and you know next week how we can overcome them obstacles and it's a really supportive environment we offer counselling on a Sunday night as well and it is unique to, for us to be able to offer that but it, for me it's not rocket science Sunday nights people struggle yeah, people are in employment you know they've got families they need to make money on a Monday morning have the support on a Sunday. It, yeah. it works so well. I think if you can like that stash book as analogy that I used before, if you can on a Sunday almost have a look in that book as and have that time and space to empty it a little bit, it just means when you do go to yeah. work on the Monday, you've just got that little bit more sort of space in that bucket to to fill up rather than yeah, you know, before you your week start even starts, that stress book just falls to the top and then you've got a stressful week. So I think yeah. that's that's yeah. that's a really good just yeah absolutely you're getting a bit more balance in your in your emotional self isn't it mm-hmm. um, I think that sounds fantastic I mean it, the more you talk the more listening to you Debbie the more it sounds like really you're really kind of uh, identifying the, the need shall we say that's out there and meeting that as well not it's you're not only putting on support groups but you're actually really really exploring as I say really pinpointing right when would this be most useful what is the need out there for people and and that's just invaluable isn't it for people accessing support you have to you can't just dictate to people what they need because as I said before it's not a one size fits all we've got people from all different walks of life who walk through the door and for many different reasons but sometimes there is some common themes like chronic pain for example it could be brain injuries is a big one autism we see a lot of people who have autism and like sometimes they're undiagnosed ADHD like there's there's so many different reasons why somebody may come to Sean's place and as we said before sometimes there often isn't a reason you know bereavement marriage breakups feelings of isolation due to a marriage breakup is a big reason Mm -hmm. and if we know that the services out there that are you know already specializing in these areas for us to bring them in and work collaboratively together mm. is so empowering and um, we only know what their issues are by speaking to the lads by having our mentors being amazing listeners asking people you know what brought them to sean's place how's life going for them what would you like to see available that we're not currently offering and then us going out and speaking to the right people yeah. like some people won't listen but some amazing people it, like in different services are change makers and they'll say we know what you're doing 
and we want to be a part of this let us help and they'll go away and speak to whoever they need to speak to and support us and that's mm. exactly how things are working at the moment and it also offers choice as well doesn't it to people yeah. where if there's two services doing similar things but one is on a sunday evening yes. and one's on a wednesday morning it gives them the choice because they might work Sunday evening so they can't attend that but they can yeah. go to the Wednesday one and that's I think that's exactly why we've been signposting people to Nancy's Man Club now it's opening in Liverpool mm-hmm. for us we, we know they're a reputable service and amazing and when they opened in Liverpool we're like this is great because mm-hmm. we do a fishing club on a Monday but we've got some lads who just need a bit of company they're not really into fishing so we can say to them now look we don't have a dragon on a Monday night but have you tried Nancy's Man Club yeah. as well so mm-hmm. it's great to have them options and to be Never what's available on different days and different times. And, you, and I thought before as well when you were saying about we were talking earlier on the episode about different services, you know, and like yourselves, you know, community based services working as a as a team, working as a network. It's just crucial, isn't it, to have that win win situation. It's it's you know you and I have, have, have kind of touched on this pre- in previous episodes, haven't we, Brian? it's so much more healthier in I would say in life in general and sometimes this comes up in, in therapy sessions where if we have the perception of it's it's a win or a lose situation or it's an us or a them situation it tends to be very kind of unhelpful for everybody involved yeah, totally. you know what I mean whereas the way you're talking there about the way you've 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 um, linked in with other other services in the city you're actually both benefiting from that, you yeah. know. I mean, and obviously, most importantly, the people who are accessing the services. You benefiting. have to honestly. Like when I first started building Sean's place, it was quite upsetting to see some things that go on in, in the third sector. There's amazing work, but mm. it's it's almost like the, it's doggy dog that you know people are bidding for money. You literally have to bid for your life to run yeah. somewhere like Sean's place, where you're constantly having to apply for grants, and you'll be going up about people against people who are you know possibly over the roof yeah. yourself and it, it's really really challenging and for that reason a lot of people don't share services because they're worried that you know they might take people away from us yeah. or they might duplicate what we're doing and we won't get the funding mm. but ultimately the person that is in the middle of all of that's the person needing support and mm. and i remember feeling so upset thinking is this why my brother didn't get support because all of this po- politics was happening yeah. around the different organizations but the ones that we do work with and you know some of the ones i've mentioned today and incredible and you know funding funding but there's a lot of things you can do that don't require funding yeah. and that person can still get access to the help that they need and i've noticed on, on your social media um you do lots of like fundraising and yeah. uh, like there's loads i've seen loads of different ones what, yeah. what are some of the ones that you've done like, we're, yeah we're really really lucky like a children's place primarily is built around people helping us and fundraising mm-hmm. for us we, we get very little grant funding because we're still only young and i think a lot of the grant makers want you to be more established yeah. than what we are which is okay we'll get there <laughs> but with the fundraising oh we've had some amazing experiences so i'm personally jumping off the um, Anglican Cathedral in July. Good luck. <laughs> it's not that big, I'll be fine. <laughs> but it's not that big. <laughs> it's for, any, right. for anyone listening who doesn't know, <laughs> the Anglican Cathedral is very big, it's massive. It'll be okay. Is this with like, a, like I'm presuming, like a bungee rope on you or a parachute or something? I'm hoping so. That'd be, yeah, that'd be handy, wouldn't it? Yeah, I've not thought about that. Um, but we've, like, my husband and um, so we, we had a couple of members of the team did like a huge bike ride last year and some of our members as well like joined them on the bike ride which was yeah. so empowering for them as well it was amazing and um, we've got diff- oh, we've got all kinds of fundraisers happening we've had one of our own lads 
he sadly has a double brain injury and um, he did an adapted triathlon for us last wow. year. So we did the equivalent of you know what a normal triathlon yeah. would be. Um, but he did it like in a swimming pool on his exercise bike and on the walking machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he completed it all for wow. us. So a, a lot of the lads really want to do their own thing yeah. and contribute that way. Um, and sometimes they'll just get a, a random message off someone saying, oh, I'm doing the three peaks and I want to do for Sean's place. I'm like, thank you so much, this yeah. is amazing. We've got a big one coming up in July. Um, sadly, they'd also lost a friend called Rob McCarthy um, just before Christmas. And I think there's about 10 of them who are doing the National Three Peaks over yeah. 48 hours as well. Yeah, yeah. And they've raised around £7,000 already. Wow. Um, it's not even happened yet. So again, that, that money is just invaluable to yeah. us. It, you know, it make, it'll make such a difference to us next year mm. when we don't have to worry about how we're keeping the lights on or where the tea and coffee is coming from or you know how we're going to buy the art materials for the art class. Yeah, we'll yeah. have that safety net there because yeah. of these fundraisers. And that's amazing as to how people can support if... if people would like to in some way connect obviously support Sean's place um, but maybe aren't mentors or therapists or you know they haven't maybe just haven't got the time to be able to go every week so to speak fundraising is a great example isn't it of how people can yeah. kind of get involved and support yeah, yeah. a lot of people Sean's have place. their own bucket list like they might say that you know they want to I don't know do like a sponsored walk for somewhere or they might want to do like the three peaks or something mm. and if they do that and raise money for charity at the same time, like it, it doesn't go unrecognised by yeah. the organisations like Sean's Place. Mm-hmm. It's crucial for us to be able to, you know, keep our building open really. So if you are thinking about doing it, you know, give it a go. It'll be the most rewarding thing you've ever done. Definitely. And I think I think with like donating to charity, there's the big huge charities which again do amazing work. But often when money gets raised, it, it sort of just gets sucked into it, doesn't it? Where I think when it's on more of the ground level support services like Sean's place mm. you can actually see that where that money goes and you know a hundred pounds it's like buys a hundred pounds worth of art material type of thing yeah. and you, you can see that can't you sort of being used but I think when again the bigger organisations um, you know the national sort of more national ones money just seems to get sucked into it get lost in the in the yeah the, yeah. the, the yeah. enormity of a big service kind of yeah I, I get what you're saying I think with our social media as well we're always posting about the lads like they are great obviously we ask permission first but uh, we like to be visible and show people yeah. exactly what we're doing mm. so those who have donated to us or fundraised in the past can see where the money's going and, and the difference it's making to their lives and we do encourage people to come in and spend time with us like the lads are very open in terms of like when we've got a drop in just letting people come in and you know talk to them and have a cup of tea with us especially yeah. if they are considering or they have done a fundraiser so they can see exactly where the money's going and yeah. how it's benefiting the people who walk through the door yeah which is amazing <laughs> so just one thing i, I want to make sure that we because i know we spoke about a few different um services that you offer within children's place but i don't know if you've got like do like a list of what what exactly so you mentioned like therapy you mentioned you mentioned, uh, you mentioned drop-ins but so what have you got like a list of what, what? <laughs> yeah i always forget i've got to mention the angling otherwise my husband goes mad <laughs> he runs the angling club and <laughs> um, but yeah we do all kinds so we've got like the talk and therapy is the one-to-one support we and is that free in everything that we do with sean's place okay. is free um so we do counseling hypnotherapy and cbt which are the one-to-one talk and therapies mm-hmm. then we do three drop-ins a week where you can just come for an hour and a half and have a coffee and you know just it's, it's a bit like a youth club but for 
men. <laughs> We've got like a pool table and the darts boards and yeah. stuff like that as well. We do a wellbeing program, which is all about trying new experiences and giving back to the community. So, like one time, we've got like, the daffodils and we got the lads to write like positive quotes on them, and then we went around the, the local area and just give them to random people in the shops oh, and stuff, which fantastic. was really nice for the lads as well to yeah, be able yeah. to feel like that they're doing something positive. But at the time, um, we've got mindfulness. We do the Anglin Club. We do um the mental health programs trying to think of like our you mentioned the family support group yeah so we've got the family support network as well we've got that that used to be monthly but we've just taken it to weekly now and we're offering therapy as part of that so it won't just be the advice as well it'll be the actual support so Mm. they'll be able to have three weeks of therapy as a family and if there's any siblings in the house who are age 16 and upwards they can also come to um and they can bring you know the the partner with them they don't have to come to sean's place it might be that the loved one isn't accessing support but they still need help they can come to that family support network as well and we have a pharmacist who comes in once a week and gives advice and support around medication so if anyone's struggling or you know they can't get an appointment with a gp or they're having really bad side effects or simply they want to come off the medication because mm-hmm. they're in a better place the pharmacist can support them on that journey and that was something i really really wanted to bring in from day one because th- there's a high risk of suicide from people who are new to taking antidepressants yeah. and sometimes your gp gets 10 minutes and doesn't have time to go through all of the you know the, the risks to start an antidepressant yeah. So in that couple of weeks when someone's new to taking them, the risk is really, really high. Yeah. So if we if we can get them to come into our pharmacist, we can monitor and make sure that they're mm-hmm. okay and they're safe and they know where to access the pools and they know how to do that as well. Um, so that's been a big game changer for us and we're really pleased to be able to offer that. Again, that sounds invaluable, doesn't it, Bryce? That, I mean, what you mentioned there as well about the high risk when somebody first starts antidepressants, you know, obviously you and I, think, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast previously, but that can be such a, something that comes into the therapy room um, because, of course, when somebody starts a course of antidepressants, it's they're, they're ideally wanting to feel that change as quickly as possible. So if, you know, suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts or anything along those lines... To yeah. increases in that in the immediate it can be really scary do you yeah. know what I mean? if you've got to wait three weeks to go back and see your gp and tell them how you're feeling sometimes it's just simply too long and we, we have to be careful because we don't want to become a clinical service the yeah. beauty in our services that we're not clinical but there is sometimes where that crossover is absolutely needed to keep mm. a person mm. safe so mm. if mm. we can bring them both, both worlds together almost it's, it's the ideal and on your website as well i obviously um preparing for today's episode i a look around your website it's Brilliant. I'd encourage anybody, um, anybody listening to go on to Sean's Place website. Uh, we'll share the details on the podcast. Yeah. Obviously, it's really easy to navigate. It's got all the information. Myself, thank you. Really oh, you? Yeah, yeah. I had no oh, experience. I just had to sit there for hours figuring it out. So when people compliment, I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> it's then like it's just dead clean. Yeah. Like it's dead clean, yeah. and you can just access it. And yeah, I, I, I it was there. Yeah. I, it is. You know, you. Clearly, a person of many, many talents, Debbie. Uh, it, yeah, I, I think personally, it's what I would guess most people want from a website. It's really clear. It's, it's easy on the eyes, easy to navigate, and pretty much anything that you want to know about Sean's place is either there or it's got links to where you can, you can find out more. And obviously, contact. Well, I mentioned contact details. So, um, just to kind of put it in a in a nutshell because I know we've kind of covered this during the episode but just before we finish who can access Sean's place so it can be any male or anyone who identifies as male over the age of 18 
um, who can access our support. Um, we, we do have some things that are outside of our expertise, if you like, where we would you know, need to have a further conversation to make sure that we're the most suitable place for them. Mm. Um, but they don't have to have a formal diagnosis. You know, they, they can come to us if they're underpaid of secondary care services, for example. I know some places do have different boundaries for completely different reasons, but we are pretty flexible. And is it any age as well? Over 18. Over 18 yeah. adults, right, okay. And is the particular referral process or can someone just turn up on the day or...? No, we do encourage a referral form to be completed and we've got a healthcare professional one, so if they'd rather the GP or the support worker complete it for them, they can do that on their behalf or the self-referral form is really quick and easy to complete. Um, and that just means that before that person comes to the door, we can make sure we're the right service for them. We've got the, the support that they require um, available and if not once we've looked at it and we've assessed it we can make an, a decision then yes this place is, is right for them let's give them a call and we'll have to do a telephone consultation or let's phone them back and say I don't think we're the right service for you however let me tell you where it might be mm-hmm. um, and we, we can make that then once we've got the form. Mm. Yeah. Real. Real. And did you mention as well someone can, am I right in understanding someone can refer on behalf of a person obviously with that person's consent yeah absolutely sometimes you know it's too much for the person to be able to sit there and complete the form and um, so you know the partner or a friend can do it as long as they've got their consent and because yeah. we, we want the consent because sometimes people don't get the consent and they'll refer somebody to us with the best intentions but then when we call that person to discuss our services they've got no idea who we are yeah. and th- they're not ready to engage mm. with us so it just means that you know when we do call them they're fully expecting yeah. to have that yeah. conversation with us Brilliant. Amazing. Is, is there anything else that we've missed out that we've not asked that you want to mention about Sean's place? Or is there... I don't think so. I think we've covered quite a lot. It's been mm-hmm. a really lovely sort of conversation. Thank yeah, you so much for the opportunity. It. It's really been our pleasure. Alison, thanks so much for your time, Debbie. You are, I don't say this lightly, you are an inspiration. It's been oh, it's so. been amazing just getting to know you a little bit over, uh, you know, preparing for the episode and then, of course, today. Thanks for everything you're doing as well, you know. Sean's place it sounds fantastic and you're obviously offering so much varied support as well you know yeah. and much we've talked about meeting people's needs it's you know that's so impressive as well that you're really you're making an intentional effort to recognize the need that's out there because needs change as well obviously over time don't they and um, depending on societal issues obviously people person you know the individual as well so I think that's just one thing that I would say as well that you know I know we've talked a lot about suicide and you know people having really dark thoughts and stuff but Sean's place is actually a really happy place when you come in it's just filled with smiles and laughter and it's a nice environment so you know if you're not in a place where you are potentially considering suicide but you're just thinking do you know what I'm at this age where I probably need a little bit of support it's a really lovely calm and happy environment so please still come along and just see it for yourself. It's a, uh, we've talked about feelings. There is a feeling that you get when you walk through the door of Sean's place, so mm. just come and see it for yourself. I think you can Absolutely. get that even off the social media, looking at the pictures that you put up with all the different activities. You can just see and feel, that even from that, you can just feel how much of a, a nice place it is to be. Very welcoming, I would say, as well. It's a very welcoming kind of image and aesthetic you have around Sean's place, as you say, social media mm. and... Yeah, myself as well. We don't have any professional social media people. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you. Oh, thank you, Debbie. So, um, so just before we get on to, are you going to go for knowing McNone face? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, just be bear with us one sec. So just before we get on to naming the gnome, um, 
for this series, Debbie, we're asking all of our guests if they could just share with us uh, a quote or something that, that has really inspired them in some way, something that's hit them, that's spoken to them, whether it's something from a book, something someone said to them once, it can be a, like a self-help coach, whatever, whatever has really kind of connected with you in some way. If, is there anything that you could share with us? Yeah, I forgot about this question, but I actually have a tattoo on my back and it says, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love and be loved in return. And I've always, oh, always loved that quote. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Nice quote. Thank you. Where was that from? Is it, is it, you know, was... I think Elton John sings it in one of his songs. Oh, okay. And then it was on Moulin Rouge, which is a musical. Right. Oh, there we go. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, Brilliant, yeah. That's Thank you for sharing. Yeah, it's a cracker. So now to the real importance the poetry of the episode is this year. We need a name <laughs> for the, the gnome. Okay. So I think my favourite that we were given was Fred in the shed. That was your favourite, wasn't it? <laughs> Fred is, is Fred getting full titled or? No, yeah, so we will be Fred, Fred in, in the, the shed. shed. Yeah. Is Fred actually in the shed though? Not yet. So he's, he's not in the shed. Fred isn't in the shed. No, he likes he, being outside, but. He likes being outside, but. Right, okay. Fred in the, Fred in the shed. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I'm going to offer an alternative. Okay. And Debbie, are you happy to pick the uh, the yeah. winner, your favourite? Right, so my alternative. Just bear in mind, it's, it's my shed. <laughs> I'm joking. This is a collaborative, collaborative experience. <laughs> so, Fred in the shed, I am going to suggest. Just looking through the list here. There, there, there are some quite uh, inappropriate names that have been sent over. <laughs> right, I am going to suggest Gerald. Gerald was one of our suggestions that came over on social media. Um, in fact, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to change that. Sorry, I'm going to change it from Gerald. Although Gerald, I want that to be an, uh, uh, you know, a notable okay suggestion. But I'm going with Mister Therapy. Oh, Mister <laughs> Therapy. Therapy. Just got that. Oh, he's gone. Yeah. Oh, that's quite a good Mr. one. Mister Therapy, or Fred. In the shed. Oh, I do love Fred in the shed. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so okay. yeah. So Fred in the shed is now the name of 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 the gnome. Yes. Thanks for that. We needed. So Don't be abbreviating it, by the way. Fred can't be abbreviated. It can't just be Fred. No, it'll always be Fred in the shed. Fred in the yeah. shed, definitely. Who is living outside the shed? I bring him in of a of a nice. Oh, 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 that's fair dues then. Yeah. That I might try and get a picture of him in in the chair. Fred by the shed. Fred by the shed, yeah, I could change it slightly, couldn't by I? By the shed, yeah. Cause he Until he comes in and then he can be Fred in the shed. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. I think we best call that a wrap now. Absolutely. <laughs> and again, Debbie, thanks so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, and you. we'll share all the information of Sean's place on the uh, on our social media when the episode goes out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, honestly, that was like a nice podcast I've done a few of these, and like sometimes, like, oh, definitely not sure that one. <laughs> I've done a few things.